like you to turn to Acts 1, if you would. While you're turning there, I'll mention that on June 8th, which is a Saturday, coming up soon, we're going to have our 13th annual Teen Mission Garage Sale. So next Sunday will be the first time when you can bring your treasures here to be sold at the garage sale. We'd love it if you wouldn't bring them this week. We would love it if you'd bring them the week after that. And then we'll have this wonderful event. The day, the day after that, we're going to have what we're calling Serve Day, giving our church an opportunity to go into the community and serve the community. And this is absolutely an experiment. We'll have to see what happens with it. We have sent out 4,335 pieces of mail to the surrounding community. And uh, Nancy has said she's afraid we're going to get 2,000 phone calls. I don't think so. But who knows what God will do with that. Anyway, the idea is that people will call and they will say, yes, I have some yard work to do. And we specifically put on the information that we're looking to do this for the elderly or those who are disabled in some way or those who can't afford to have work done and, uh, you know, who have a situation where they really need someone to come in and help with them. So we're hoping that we can do that for people. We'll have to see how it goes. We might uh, get more requests than we need. We might get none. As far as I know so far, we haven't had a phone call. I think the notices went out in the mail on Friday, so we'll have to see how that goes. But who knows what God will do with it. Maybe at the end I'll stand up and say, sorry, there's no serve day, but come to my house. I've got some yard work to do. <laughs> we'll have to see. Luke wrote two books in the New Testament. I don't know if you're aware of that. The Gospel of Luke, obviously. But he also wrote the book of Acts. And this is, uh, it's just interesting the way that the things that were common themes for Luke's mind come out in both books. Like, for example, if you were to look at Luke 1, 1 through 4.18, you would find that in the first three and a half chapters of Luke, the Holy Spirit's mentioned 13 times. Now, that's actually quite a few times. I don't expect you to look all of those up right now. But there's a lot of mention of the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. And he kind of sets his readers up for what is clearly Jesus acting in the power of the Spirit. In fact, those verses that I put down just a moment ago only take you up through chapter 4, chapter four verse 18. And then immediately after that, there is Jesus' Galilean ministry, which takes you up through about the beginning of chapter 10 or so. And there's actually no mention of the Holy Spirit in those chapters after 4.18 up through chapter 10 where Jesus is doing all this stuff. And clearly what's happened is that in Luke, Luke has said the Holy Spirit is acting in the life of Jesus. Let me show you how. And he does. And so for the next six, seven chapters, we see Jesus acting in the power of the Spirit. Even though the Spirit is not mentioned, but it's so clear that he's just set us up for that. And so Jesus' entire ministry is driven by the Holy Spirit. And then, if you look at the very end of the Gospel of Luke, you'd find this. Luke 24, 49. This is just before the end, and it says, I'm going to send to you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And it's very clear as you move into the book of Acts that this is exactly what Jesus is talking about, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so, if you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 8, the Holy Spirit is, in fact, mentioned three times in just the first eight verses. And I want to read these verses. Look at Acts chapter 1 with me. 
And just notice this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Now, Jesus is there for 40 days. He's talking to the disciples, the apostles, about a number of different things. But Luke, in writing Acts, focuses on two. He focuses on the coming of the kingdom, and he focuses on the Holy Spirit. Watch the way these two things come together. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so it says that he talked to them about the kingdom, but when he talks, he talks about the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're very concerned about the kingdom. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so two major themes at the beginning of the book of Acts, the kingdom, but when Jesus talks about the kingdom, what he's talking about is the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. And so Luke was a man, he was a Christian, focused on the ministry of the Spirit in the life of the church, which I find fascinating, partially because... We are a people who don't normally talk this way. This has not been the center of our life together. Like if I was to say, is the presence of the Spirit in the life of the church, in the ministry of the church, driving the church, the power for the church's ministry, is that right at the center of who we are? Does it, is it get reflected, for example, in our vocabulary? And I think we would have to say it doesn't. It's there to some extent, no doubt about it. We all know that when we're baptized into Jesus Christ, that the verse in Acts 2.38 that talks about being baptized in the name of Jesus immediately after that says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and for your children or for all who are far off whom the Lord our God will call. We know it says that. I don't think that we have done as much with that in the life of the church and, and even in the life of this congregation as what God would in fact have us do. Now here's what we unfortunately, and I, you know, I love us. Us is me. <laughs> And so I know the way we do things. And sometimes we don't do them as well as we should. And for example, churches tend to function like businesses. We tend to do what works. And so I'll tell you what preachers do. I am one. I know how this business works. Preachers look for models about how things are going to work. And so we look to other churches. And sometimes we look to other businesses. Other businesses? We look to churches and we say, how is it that this church has been successful? And then we go and we model ourselves after churches that are successful. Wayne Muirhead's sitting over here. Wayne, it's great to see you. Wayne has been a servant of Christ and an elder in the church and 
you know, probably all your life. I don't know your story. But if it's not been all your life, it's been an awful lot of years. Lynn Anderson's brother-in-law, that gives him pedigree right there. Okay? And so Wayne, Wayne is a fine servant of God. But I, I can tell you that Wayne has, no doubt, numerous times in his life, looked at other models for church on how to do it. True? Absolutely. In fact, I've probably been in some of those sessions with Wayne, looking at those models over the last 30 years. Wrestling with that, how it is that we're going to do church better. And there's something actually good about that. Like if somebody's doing something good, that's a good thing. And we need to to do that for sure. Well, here's something else that's interesting. In the restoration movement, and I'm going to say here, Christian churches and churches of Christ, the heritage from which this church comes, there are about 30 churches of 10,000 or more in attendance in North America. I don't know if you're aware of that. There's about 30 churches or so of 10,000 or more in attendance. And if you look at those churches, you would find probably 30 different stories about how they reached the people for Christ that they've reached. And the fact is, we would drive ourselves crazy trying to do what works for each of them. And in the end, we're still going to be trying to do the works that they're doing. And in one sense, probably failing because we're not them and it just doesn't work exactly the way we would like it to work because we're not them we're us and so what do we do in a situation like that how is it that we should be all that god wants us to be and i would say first of all to use models is a good thing and we need to look at those for sure i mean we've we've looked at one in post falls idaho at real life ministries and said they're doing some great stuff we need to do some of the stuff they're doing and and we're trying to That's a good thing, for sure. But when I look at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, I actually see different priorities than just looking at models. In fact, I would say, Acts chapter 1 is all about God building his kingdom through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we look at the rest of the book, and if we look at the rest of Christian history, what we find is the church driven by, ministered to, and within, by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So look at chapter 1, verse 4 quickly. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What does the word baptized mean? Like if there's any group of people in the world who know what the word baptized means, it's us. What does the word baptized mean? To be immersed. To be covered. To be overflowed by. Is that... An English expression? To have something completely envelop you. To cover you over. Is what it means to be baptized. And that's what the text says is supposed to happen to God's people. By the Holy Spirit. We are to be people who are completely immersed in the life of the Holy Spirit. And then look at verse 7. 
It's not for you to know the times or dates of the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. We want to be witnesses for Christ. We want people to understand who Jesus is. We want to reach people for Christ. And there's only one way. It's when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us and uses us as his witnesses. And it's his power that provides us the impetus and the ability to do what we need to do in reaching people for Jesus. And there simply is no other legitimate source. If the Holy Spirit isn't moving us to be what he wants us to be, then really there's no legitimacy here. But if the Holy Spirit drives our ministry Everything works as it should. And so, if we want to see each other grow in Christ, it's going to be by the Spirit's power. If we want to take a stand for Christ in our world, it will be by the Spirit's power. If we want to defeat the deeds of darkness and overcome the principalities and powers, it will be by the Spirit's power. If you want to overcome sin in your life and live for Christ, it will be by the Spirit's power. If we want to disciple people for Jesus, it will be by the Spirit's power. If we want to have impact on our community for Christ, it will be by the Spirit's power. If, if Serve Day does anything for anybody in our community, it will be because the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of us and did something significant. If we want to see love triumph and Christ reign in our world, it's going to be by the Spirit's power. If we want to see our children nurtured in the faith of Christ, it's going to be by the Spirit's power. If we want to know the word and have knowledge of Christ, it will be by the Spirit's power. If we want to see a movement by God to turn the world back to himself, it's going to be by the Spirit's power. And it will not happen in any other way. And so, in the fall of 2013, when we get to September... This year, we're going to start a series on the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. We're going to have a series on passionate spirituality. We're going to talk about what it means to have the Holy Spirit alive among his people, doing ministry for him, witnessing for him as the Spirit works among us. And what is so wonderful is that it is right at the core of what it means to be Christian, right at the core of what it means to follow the Bible and to be the church, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us like this. And we need to be praying and have open hearts and ready to receive what it is that God wants to do through us because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray this morning that you would open our hearts. Break our hearts. Cut our hearts to the quick. Move among us through the presence of your spirit and enliven us and mold us and empower us. And Father, especially as we look to the fall, we pray that you'd bless us as we go there thinking about your Holy Spirit. And Spirit, we pray that you would come and minister to us and make us the church you want us to be. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.